Do you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Angular Story. This week, we're talking to Yaakov Fain. Yaakov, you want to say hi? Hello, everybody. This is Yaakov Fain from New York. Awesome. Now, we had you on episode 185 of Adventures in Angular. Uh, For those who are listening right when this comes out, that was just a couple months ago. You talked about Angular for Java developers. Yes, I am am actually a Java developer for the most of my programming life, and uh, only like last several years. I do JavaScript and Angular. Nice. Well, we'll get into how you got into that. That's part of the way the, the this show and the arc of the show. But uh, before we do that, I'm kind of curious how you got into programming. Oh, it was so many years ago. It was last century, actually. I <laughs> no, really. I was born in Ukraine. Then I went to Russia. I got my master's degree in applied math over there. Then I came back to Ukraine for a little bit, working as a programmer. And then I came to, came to the United States in, in the 90s. And I continued working as a programmer. So it's uh, quite a while. I've been working with different languages. So I don't even remember how I got into it. Nice. How many languages do you speak? I'm curious. Well, three. I definitely speak three languages, of course. And, right. uh, but mainly I speak English now. Right. Even though it's not my first language, as you can hear. So I, I was working with different programming languages. And starting from um, the second part of the 90s, probably 97, 98, I worked with Java. And I spent for the last 18 years uh, considering this this uh, as my main programming language. But I've been working with other ones as well, especially on the front end over my career. Yeah, I think the front-end languages are something that you just kind of have to deal with as part of being a web developer. And uh, I mean, I got into web development 2005-ish. And yeah, you know, you you still had to do JavaScript back then. Yeah, but the thing is that not everybody is doing web development. Programming is not about about it. And uh, in general, uh, Java developers, uh, they were always looking at, uh, looking down at JavaScript developers. Like, <laughs> like the server side, it's where the real stuff happens. And uh, the client side is a joke. But not anymore. And slowly but surely, many people from Java crowd start mm-hmm. to understand that there is some other, something else to be learned. And in particular, Angular is Probably one of the best offerings on the front end now. Yep, I, I definitely agree. I, I hear people touting the other frameworks. I think it really 
just depends on what you know what floats your boat. I don't I don't think there's anything wrong with the other options, but Angular is a terrific option. That's for dang sure. As of, as of today, yes. The thing is that if, if we go back, I can tell you that uh, I was working most of my life as an independent uh, developer, as a contractor. And then in 2006, what happened was, if you remember, Adobe bought my Macromedia. Mm-hmm. And uh, they started to do major changes in the Flex framework. Because yeah. of that. And uh, this is when I may, met a couple of guys and we decided to create a company because we saw the huge potential of that Flex framework. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it was, in our opinion, the best offering. Even today, even today, if it wasn't be, it, if it wouldn't be that uh, Flash player, a VM for Flex apps, it's still, uh, it's a great development environment and the framework and the language. But it's, uh, it is what it is now. We all know that. But still, our company was pretty successful in did consulting based on the fact that we knew really well Adobe Flex framework. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Java is our bread and butter on the server side. We wrote uh, two or three books on Adobe Flex. And uh, we did tons of trainings in that technology. And then, like probably four years ago when it was obvious that uh, Flex is going away. Not not that much of a flag, but mainly Flash Player. Right. We started to to look at other options. And we, we created a company uh, and we had clients and one of our apps was, and it still is a really huge one for insurance industry. And we started to look at the platform where we could migrate our existing app on the front end. And we tried different things in JavaScript. Uh, in particular, we tried XJS. It was, it is, it still is the huge framework from Sencha. Yep. Uh, and uh, it's pretty large and heavy. We didn't like it that much. Not because it's bad, but it's, it's too big and, and it's, it's a rewrite of JavaScript in a way. And uh, there is no way out. So if you are in XJS, so if you if you realize that you made a mistake, it's not an easy way to switch to something else. And uh, then we tried, uh, basically when we started working in JavaScript, just in JavaScript, our developers, we, we saw uh, how the productivity drops in our developers. Mm-hmm. And they are senior developers. It's not like kids from college. Right. And mainly because they used to work with Adobe Flex and, and ActionScript. ActionScript is a compiled language, and uh, it's not like the Wild West with JavaScript. When you write a program and you keep your fingers crossed, and hopefully during the runtime you won't get anything bad. Anyway, uh, then we started to work with AngularJS on the front end, and uh, we didn't like it that much. I mean, it's a decent framework, obviously, but uh, architecture-wise, all these uh, MVC and um, different services, it didn't click, actually. It, it, it was working fine uh, for some time, but we, we did not decide. We decided not to use it as a primary framework. We did... We did run several trainings. We did some small projects with AngularJS, but it was not what we liked. 
I understand that this is a podcast, my English story. I shouldn't be even saying that. <laughs> but but it's, uh, it's honest and it's interesting, yeah. just the, the progression there. So, Right. And then, uh, then what, what happened then? It, it, it was 2015, I believe. Yes, it was summer of 2023 years ago when uh, we got uh, contacted uh, by Manning Publishing. Uh-huh. by acquisition uh, editor from there. He, he called me asking, I, by that time I wrote like about 10 books from, on different languages and different software. He asked me, what do you, what do you think? Of, it's a new thing, Angular. It was alpha versions of Angular 2 back then. Right. And uh, anyway, so I decided to write a book on it, not myself, but with my colleague in the company. His name is Anton. And we started writing with Angular 2 alpha versions. Obviously, it was tough. Uh, everything was changing pretty often. We had to rewrite our code samples for the book so many times you can't believe it. <laughs> and uh, then, when was it? 2006, end of 2015, uh, Angular team announced beta. We were so happy. Beta, it means stability. Right. Or at least this is what I thought. Uh, I was wrong. In case of Angular, it's not. I think they have. If if you work with different software and you under, you have an understanding of what is beta and what is the release candidate, mm-hmm. you should downgrade it with Angular. Right. Uh, when Angular team announces this is beta of something, you need to think alpha. When they say RC, you need to think beta. <laughs> then it'll give you peace of mind. Then RC zero, I remember, Angular two in May of 2016. Man, we were so happy. RC, it means stability. No, right. Starting from RC zero, uh, they rewrote Angular router three times. I mean, seriously. Yep. Remember? Yeah, that? I remember that. Mm-hmm. It was a running joke on the show who was going to rewrite the the router again. Really? Yeah, and. People started to get angry. I mean, the community. We love, we love you guys. We like the software, but we started using it already. Stop. Yeah. And I remember you know, that podcast when Angular Team was. Uh, I don't remember how it was what was the name of it, but there was some podcast when the member of Angular Team said, "Well, we have like a weekly meeting, and when we, we and we ask." Do we like this particular feature? Would this particular feature make Angular better? And if the answer is yes, we'll put it in the next release. Mm-hmm. But come on, you cannot, you cannot do this. I mean, people are out in the field working on real projects and uh, so many breaking changes. Somehow they got the message from the community and, and they started getting much better, of course. The semantic versioning and two releases a year which is really nice. And uh, I am, um, I was upgrading obviously various projects from Angular, let's say two to four and then four to five, five then five to six. The process is pretty smooth. And uh, uh, I really like the way uh, Angular team makes releases and improvements. So it's a, it's a good framework, but I also want to stress that it's a good framework in Maybe because it's a combination of Angular and TypeScript. 
And maybe it's a combination of Angular and TypeScript and RxG. So it's not just Angular. This, mm -hmm. this is a pretty good set of tools and the principles of programming. I, I, I was using Rx Java, for example, the same basically ideas, observables, observers, but in Java. Right. Uh, and TypeScript helps a lot, tremendously. And uh, I do lots of trainings for, I do trainings mainly for private clients. I, uh, I train enterprises and tip, my typical classroom is full of Java developers. Mm -hmm. And Java developers are really happy with, when they learn Angular and TypeScript. They understand everything right away. Right. So did you get your book written? Which one? The, the book that you were talking about with Angular 2. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, actually, the first edition uh, went out. Uh, was released in December of 2016. It's called uh, Angular 2 Development with TypeScript, I think. Uh-huh. Yes, and many publishers. It was selling really well. It was on the bestseller list on Amazon for a while. And uh, Meningask asked, do you guys want to write a second edition? Mm -hmm. And especially things changed so fast. And we said yes. So now the second edition uh, is written and it'll, be, it'll go in print next month, but it's available for purchase already for a while on Manning's site. So yes, the two editions of that book went out. Mm -hmm. Nice. Um, one other thing that I'm wondering is you said that you didn't like AngularJS initially. So what made you decide to even give Angular, the current version of Angular, a chance? Well, because it's a different framework. I mean, it has nothing to do with AngularJS. I mean, not much. I heard a lot of people complain about that. I don't complain. I mean, I understand. I mean, I'm I understand that uh, Angular team wanted to capitalize on the fact that there were like maybe 700,000 developers who used AngularJS. And that's why they wanted to use the same name. But uh, honestly, it's a different framework. So let's not, yeah. uh, let's be honest. And uh, that's why I like it. So I like, I didn't like AngularJS, but I liked another framework called Angular. <laughs> yeah, um, I think... So I, I talked to Victor Savkin this morning, and he almost made it sound like, too, that AngularJS was kind of a naive approach to a lot of things. And there were a lot of things that they wanted to kind of clean up and modernize and make nicer. And so I think that's also part of why we wound up with Angular being what it is now, is because they learned all those lessons the hard way on AngularJS and then came back and said, okay, let's do this the way that we wish we had done it the first time. Yeah, I, I agree. And what I like about this framework, it's um, it's kind of down to earth, I would say. Mm -hmm. It solves the problem that many enterprises face. It's uh, it's not a framework that I say startup should be. Right. And in many cases, I see this. People come, especially from San Francisco, from Silicon Valley, and they say, no, we like React. All right, you like React, that's fine. You uh, you guys uh, can, uh, in startup, there are typically the level of programmers is much higher than mm -hmm. a typical average team on the enterprise. So you guys can write anything even without any framework. You just write it on, on JavaScript. It's easy for you guys. But when you deal with an enterprise where Teams is spread around the globe, and in some cases, 
a development manager doesn't even have to say as to who is going to be on the team. It's better to have some stable platform, which is Angular today. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I believe it's a much better choice for an enterprise. And I don't want to say anything bad or about uh, React, no. But for the enterprises, in my opinion, it's everything that the developer needs, batteries included. Nice. That makes sense. I like the way you put it, too. So uh, what have you done in Angular that... Uh, what have I done other than writing a couple of books and multiple, multiple trainings? And I speak at multiple conferences. Even my, my conferences are not uh, those uh, that, uh, the great one, by the way, in GCon, but mm-hmm. they're different. These are, uh, I mean, Angular team shows what's coming in the latest, the bleeding edge, edge stuff. Obviously, super smart developers, and I have great respect to this team. But I address mainly to developers who work in enterprises, once again, Java background and so on. So that's, in my opinion, I contribute a lot to make Angular popular in that area. I have mm-hmm. a blog, yakovfein.com, and I publish like a thousand blogs over the years, of course. And over the last couple of years, I I do write a lot on Angular, XJS, so tons of uh, technical content uh, there. So I I think that my contribution to Angular popularity is decent. Awesome, very cool. What are you working on now? Right now, I work on as I said, we are facing a big rewrite of an app for insurance industry. It's our uh, kind of a biggest uh, project, many tens of thousands lines of code, and this is software as service. So many insurance agents who sell you insurance, life insurance, they use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, we decided that Angular will be our front end now. Right. Java remains the back end, and uh, this is the largest project, and this is uh, my mm, Part-time, it's my job to, to run this, uh, this project. The other thing is that I'm a consultant. I'm, I'm helping other clients. Uh, and, for example, just this morning I was talking to a financial company. They have an app written in one framework, and they want to migrate it to Angular, but uh, they cannot afford rewrite. They cannot say, we'll stop and we'll create a new thing in Angular from scratch. So they want to gradually upgrade. They want to start with a screen, and uh, some part of this screen should remain in their framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I can say that that framework is Dojo. So their whole app is not a single app existing one. It's written in Dojo. And right. I don't know Dojo, and I honestly told them that I don't know Dojo. But they say that's okay, but we need to understand the uh, the path, the roadmap, how we will gradually will bring stuff in. So mm, I need to create for them like POC, where Angular will start, some part of it will be in Dojo, and uh, so they can see how they can gradually upgrade the app with their own developers, which they have. But to, to get them to start it, it's important. In, 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 in particular, 
I mean, this is something that I guess many enterprises will face. They will accept at some point, sooner or later, that Angular is a decent choice, and they may decide, let's go. And many companies will not be able to say, let's start fresh. And they will have to live with whatever software they use now and Angular. In this regard, I have big expectations. Uh, uh, I'm waiting for production release of uh, Angular Elements in particular. Mm-hmm. And Angular is great when it comes to single-page apps, but uh, if I want to take a little piece and put it into existing app in another framework, yeah, it's not yeah, very looking forward to that as well. And actually, the fact that you can now you can easily build libraries in Angular six—it's also important. So mm-hmm. Angular team goes the right direction, I think. Awesome. All right. Well, we got one more section of this show, and that is picks. This episode is sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean is the hosting provider I use for devchat.tv. I also use it for my applications that manage the RSS feeds, scheduling, and sponsorships involved in delivering these shows. DigitalOcean is easy to use, has data centers all over the world, and provides terrific services including server hosting and object storage for delivering your web applications and assets quickly and easily. I use DigitalOcean because I love their interface. I get SSD storage for my servers, and their support replies quickly. So go check them out at digitalocean.com. Do you have some things you want to shout out about? Mm, I can, yeah, I can mention something. As a matter of fact, uh, Manning Publishing uh, asked us to write another book. Uh-huh. They like how we write and they like that we deliver. And uh, this book will be on TypeScript. Oh, nice. They have this series called Get Programming and then whatever, like JavaScript, Java, or whatever. It's a new series. And uh, uh, in that, uh, in in this series, you need to write an app. Besides mm-hmm. explaining the stuff, you need to write some app. And um, we started to think, what app should we write? In the Angular book, we've been developing um, like online auction. Mm-hmm. But in this book, we it's a TypeScript, it's a language, it's not a framework. Um, so we decided, let us create uh, like traditionally like some uh, front end to the existing REST API. Right. And there, are, there are many public servers that offer you these things. And um, when we wrote that proposal, the acquisition editor said, you know what, it's not that exciting, the app. Maybe you will come up with something better. So then what we decided to, to pick is a blockchain. Blockchain. Nice. So when, when we made this decision and when... Uh, when I started to read about it and learn it, I really like it. So mm-hmm. um, I believe that the blockchain has a super bright future and it will be used everywhere, everywhere. And many people think that blockchain is like bitcoins. It's wrong. It's a technology behind the bitcoin, but it, could, mm-hmm. it can be used anywhere in in many business uh, applications. So this is something that interested, that interests me now, and I keep looking into it and working with it for the next year. What's going to happen next? I don't know. Awesome. So I had a talk that I was going to give at um, RubyHack, which is a conference here in Salt Lake City. And uh, my dad passed away like a week and a half before or two weeks before the conference. 
And so uh, I let the conference organizers know, well, at first I, they're, they're like, are you okay to, you know, you don't have to speak. And I was like, Oh, I'll be fine. And then the next day I was like, I am not fine. And so I, you know, I canceled on it. And uh, so I'm working on putting together since I kind of had it all pared down for a half hour talk. Um, I'm planning on actually putting together like an hour video that I can post about how to build a blockchain in Ruby. And uh, yeah, there are some just terrific resources out there for that, that just kind of walk you through how blockchain works and how the different aspects of it go together to make basically uh, a verifiable ledger. And yeah, that ledger can stand in for a database, except it has all kinds of authentication, you know, authenticity features built in, which is really, really cool stuff. And, and that's how the blockchain works. And uh, anyway, so, you know, and, and the, the value that people get from the blockchain, you know, creates the incentive to mine and add transactions to the chain. So anyway, really, really interesting stuff. Um, and yeah, what I, I, have, I agree. It's, it's basically whenever you have a ledger, yeah. you can use this technology. Yep. Whenever you have a middleman, and two parties that may not trust each other that much, you may use this yep. technology. Yep, exactly. So, yes, yeah, so that's interesting. Hopefully, I'll have that video up by the time this episode goes live, which, as we record this, is in two or three weeks. And then um, the, other, the other pick that I have, um, I wind up listening to a lot of books, audiobooks. And um, so I'm going to shout out an audiobook and I'm going to shout out a podcast. But uh, I listened to this book and it really has changed some of the ways that I think about some of the things that I'm doing. And it is called uh, Crucial Accountability by Carrie Patterson. And it just talks about how to have conversations with people who uh, essentially breach your trust. So it's how to talk to people who say they're going to do something and then don't. Um, and this could be somebody who works for you, in which case the power dynamic is in your favor. Or it could be somebody you work for, right? Your boss says, oh, well, we'll help you get that done because we have to get that done. And then they don't pull through. And so how do you have that conversation, right? How do you, and, and really it's outcome focused. So it's not focused on you winning the argument or, you know, showing anybody that, you know, you're right and they're wrong or anything like that. It's essentially about, look, you know, we, we made a commitment to each other and, you know, let's have a conversation about how we honor that. And it was really, really good. And but basically, maybe you can apply blockchain technology to communication between people. Hey, there we go. Yeah. New use case. There we go. Sign a contract in blockchain. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But yeah. So anyway, terrific book, especially if you're some kind of team lead. Um, great stuff. And then um, I had another, oh, it was a podcast pick. I'm just going to shout out about Angular Air. Um, a lot of folks are like, you talk about your competitors. The thing is, is that people have so many hours in a day that if they're really interested in, in Angular, they're going to listen to this show and Adventures in Angular and Angular Air and, you know, watch a couple of videos on YouTube and things like that. So I really don't feel like it's a, uh, a competition until people run out of time to listen or watch. And so, and, and then if Angular Air is um, a better fit for you, then listen to them because I want you to succeed more than I want you to listen to my shows. So, um, yeah, that, that said, you know, go check them out. Uh, Justin Schwarzenberger and the whole gang over there. Uh, Bonnie Brennan, uh, Alyssa Eichel, Mike Brocky. Um, I'm sure they have one or two other regulars that I have not listed. But it's a terrific show on Angular. So if you're looking for a good show on Angular, go, go check that out. 
Okay, one last thing, uh, Yaakov, if people want to see what you're working on these days, kind of get your your thoughts or anything like that. You said you have a blog that you post to sometimes. Yeah. And then like Twitter, GitHub, any other place that you post that kind of yeah. thing? Yeah, my blog is yaakovfain.com. And uh, Twitter handler is yfain. And the same is on Stack Overflow. I, uh, pretty active over there as well in terms of Angular answering questions. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm so easy to to be found on the on the internet, really. Awesome. I should also mention that I just started up my personal blog again. So if you go to charlesmaxwood.com, um, I kind of just blew everything away and started over. So there are probably only going to be a handful of posts if you go check it out. I'll also warn you that I am not barring any holds on there. So I'm going to post about anything. So if you're not interested in the religious stuff or the political stuff or you know whatever then that's fine. I'm probably going to post some business stuff. Depending on how applicable it is, it may also end up on devchat.tv because I've started blogging over there again too. Um, and the focus on the devchat.tv blog these days is on how to find a job. So if you're looking for a job, I'll probably have some pretty relevant content there. If you want to write for the blog on devchat.tv or participate in any of the podcasts, um, also let me know. I do have a few openings not on Adventures in Angular, but I do have openings on some of the other shows. And I'm also going to be shifting some things for some of the podcasts. And there may be an opportunity on Adventures in Angular, depending on if my approach just doesn't quite fit for the people who are currently on the show. But I would imagine that most of them are going to stick around anyway. So anyway, yeah, thanks again for coming, Yakov. Thank you for having me. All right, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up, folks, and we will catch you all next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more. <laughs>